lucky. Yeah, mm-hmm. they give him a, a, an electric vehicle. I don't know why. I mean, half of the universe disappeared. Like, you don't need to worry about renewables anymore. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Live from the Mundangerous Quantum Realm in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Ishan. And welcome to episode 204 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're continuing our series on campaign settings, and we're talking about playing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But first the rogue traders make peace at gunpoint in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign. And later, Spider-Man gets eaten by his mate. Wait, is that is that that's the Spider-Man, right? Is Wait, that, is that what uh, happens? Oh, that's that's a twist. I haven't seen Into the Spider-Verse, but man, that is dark. It probably happens, right? I'm going to assume that Mary Jane is some sort of tarantula creature. I mean, dope. Yeah, yeah. Or I don't know. Maybe he patrols the neighborhood in the Character Creation Forge. Are you looking for a great story? Do you love Star Wars? Do you like podcasts? If you said yes to any of these, check out the Redemption Podcast. <laughs> Well, I have less in my head than you do normally, probably. You haven't met the crew I'm with. Pretty much everywhere we go, our life is in danger. Things didn't explode. That's pretty sneaky for us. That sounds horrible. Yes, please finish up whatever underhanded thing you're doing on the computer terminals at the Jedi Temple. Check out Redemption Podcast at www.redemptionpodcast.com. Hey, Redemption. Welcome to the network. Glad to have you aboard. Um, okay, speaking of maybe some people who are less welcome, Shane, where are we in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign? So the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign is our Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader game played using Dark Heresy 2nd Edition rules by Fantasy Flight Games. And on the Death World Iblis Prime in the frontier city of Meridian, the Rogue Traders have set out to establish a colony in the name of the Holy Throne of Terra and Prophet. We just whipped the techno-ganger rabble in the North Manufactories with our Arbites, that's cops, for those cops. of you who don't know the 40k lingo. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, that battle became known as the Five Points Massacre. Yeah, because it was so fair on both sides. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> so after after that, uh, you have decided not to press your advantage, and instead you magnanimously declare yourselves a peaceful kingdom. Yeah, because we read the rules that you provided for this segment of the game a little more closely. Uh-huh, and you and found we... out there was an objective called Peaceful Kingdom that was way easier to accomplish. <laughs> right. It was just don't attack anybody. We're like, we can definitely do that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, okay, I just whipped you bloody, and uh, but no truce, 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 <laughs> no no clapbacks. Why are we doing this? Uh, you know, we just feel like we have already proven our might, and now we would like to sue for peace. We'd now like to prove our right. Of of course, really, it was just to get a few XP. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So rather than deploy the Arbites to further harass the Technogangers, you instead employ your silver tongues to further harass the Technogangers uh, and the peacekeepers who have moved into the district. Um, and you do this, of course, um, ironically, by starting a pro-worker movement in the district. Yes, we hired the Pinkertons to break the strike and then immediately uh, started the Socialist Party. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the, of course, you're rogue traders, which are just bare naked capitalists. So <laughs> you're really throwing mixed messages around. It's okay. Uh, we're in space. It's fine. They, they don't know what we're doing. Exactly. So yeah, all of your um, you know anti free market rhetoric finds purchased, particularly among these disillusioned gangers um, who've you know just seen like their their military might crushed uh, by the man and especially their surviving families who are kind of like, yeah, we shouldn't have to fight, right? Like we should actually just have rights and people should treat us better. And like our husbands and our sons and, and our daughters shouldn't be facing this kind of discrimination. Yeah. It's terrible that you lost family members in that awful massacre. I, I mean, I mean, what would we call it a massacre though? I think it was fair on both sides. Uh, yeah. Good point. It wasn't a massacre. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right, so even competing directly with a peacekeeper's political machine, we're able to recruit union bosses to our side through all of this rhetoric, and soon we've got a group of union toughs. 
ready to do whatever we want. Yeah, it's always good when you, um, you know, when you insist that you aren't going to use violence anymore, and then you decide to just recruit some big tough guys, you know, like to to wear their union badges and um, beat up anybody going to a non-union shop. Right, their uh, position is literally union tough. Yeah. <laughs> Job description. Mm, it's in the name. <laughs> Job description. You might have to hurt some guys. Nope, scratch that. You might get to hurt some guys. <laughs> so you do have one problem. The, the wounds of the massacre are still very fresh in the district's minds. And so Silva Lionheart, the uh, lord captain of your vessel insists that you have to change the perception of five points, right? Like, it is still the site of the massacre. It needs to be something else. She wants it to become a symbol of rebirth for the North Manufactories. So, Silva Lionheart does what Silva Lionheart does best. She decides we're going to throw a party. And we'll find out what happens next, next week. So this week... We are continuing our series on different campaign settings. Uh, We're taking a bit of a twist this time. This isn't really a standard campaign setting. It's just a uh, fictional universe in which you can set your game. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is that a twist? I don't know. We're like 50-50 for IPs that have become game places and like game settings themselves. I mean, I guess Marvel, the cinematic universe doesn't have its own RPG, right? But Marvel's had RPGs for like decades. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, Lord of the Rings isn't exactly a campaign setting, right? It's a, it's an intellectual property that gets used for games. It's, I mean, it's basically (laughs) D&D. I mean, I mean, D&D is basically it. Okay. So something to keep in mind uh, when listening to this particular episode, Uh, the reason that we do these is to give you an overview of this setting to see if you and your group actually want to like set a game there. Um, I think it's probably likely that anyone listening to this show is really familiar with the MCU. It would be uh, hard to miss it. I would think even yeah. I have seen some of these films, which is impressive considering how little you like nerd shit. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, there's always six of them available on any given plane and movie selection, but you can't really focus on a plane, right? They're like the perfect popcorn They've got you trapped in a seat for two hours. Every every single one of these movies is two hours, and you could just kind of casually watch it. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Avengers. There's always six of them available on any given plane of well, that existence. Right? That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's basically Band of Blades, right? Uh, so yeah, we're we're gonna talk about we're gonna give a bit of an overview for anyone who may not have seen it, but we'll talk about it in terms of like basically converting specifically the cinematic universe and not the entire comic book. Uh, Marvel Universe into a setting that you can game in. So, what's the elevator pitch for uh, the MCU? Uh, you get to play in the most successful film franchise of all time. Uh, I now want all of these Star Wars nerds to at us and yell at us and say how that's not true, but actually it is totally true. Yeah, yeah. well, when you do like 22 movies and they all sell a billion dollars. Yeah, I don't know if you like even out the, if you like adjust for inflation, I'm not sure. But I think in that case, it's probably Harry Potter. Uh, I don't know. Well, you know, there's more Star Wars movies coming, so we'll see. But the MCU specifically, uh, I think one of the like big draws of setting a game in the cinematic universe is that there is this cohesive narrative that ties all the characters and subplots from these the decades of comic books uh, into a single timeline where they can all work together or even influence each other's stories. Even if you normally have characters who normally typically don't talk to each other or like hang out together. Cool. So where does the MCU start? Uh, not that long ago, actually, even compared to RPGs and certainly not compared to comics. Uh, it started in 2008 with the first Iron Man movie. The first half of that movie was really, really good. Uh-huh. The, the, the second half had uh, Jeff Bridges in a fat Iron Man suit. It was it weird. Was, yeah, it was weird. <laughs> All the Iron Man movies are weird looking back. You're not wrong. Uh, I mean, that movie was like a deep cut of a less than popular character. I think, I don't know, maybe some like video game or comic nerds remember that like Iron Man would show up uh, next to uh, Captain America and some of those like old Avengers video games or 
you know, he had a, a few animated movies that didn't gross very well because they went, you know, straight to video. But you bring on Robert Downey Jr. Uh, for like sort of a, a stab in the dark to see what happens and they hit gold. Yeah. And this is also, I mean, just kind of a weird history thing, right? Like this was when Robert Downey Jr. was unbookable. Yeah. Right. Because he had just had his like, I don't know, third stint in rehab and like fallen from grace and nobody was sure that he could even like work anymore uh and then he goes on to launch the largest franchise in history um of course he was not even the highest paid actor in that film because they didn't want to sign him up to too big of a contract if he ended up relapsing right uh i think the highest paid person in that first movie was uh terrell howard terrence howard terrence yeah and then and then he was too expensive so they recast him as don Cheadle. yeah mm-hmm. uh it it worked because Robert Downey Jr. basically was uh, Tony Stark, you know? Right. <laughs> he didn't really need to act. Anyway, the commercial success led to the green lighting of movies starring more iconic ca- characters that people probably remember, The Incredible Hulk. Then you had Iron Man 2, and then you had Thor, uh, which introduced almost all of what would become the original Avengers team, although none of those were actually good movies. Yep, then in... Wait, wasn't Captain America in there too? Uh, I skipped Captain America because that was a good movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> After that came Captain America. That was a good movie. So yeah. So then you have in 2012, you have the Avengers, which was sort of the test run for integrating storylines across all of these franchises that have been going simultaneously. So it was the first kind of roundup of all the current characters in the MCU. Yeah, and I think this is the thing that makes it really appealing as a potential campaign setting for you to run your games. Uh, All of these stories are happening at the same time in the same timeline. You can have multiple groups running games in the same shared universe. Uh, You can also have your group sort of hopping between different locations and, you know, the the timeline is still continuing uh, while you are participating in these events. Yeah, you can also run it like... Um, a lot of times if you only watch the tentpole movies, you end up feeling like there's some background, like that character was off doing something. I, I don't, I, I get vague hints of what it was, right? Some downtime activities basically, but right. then yeah. four shows I was, back I was up. learning a language, I guess, or yeah, crafting. Exactly. I was crafting. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like, you know, the individual films are your, are your downtime activities. And then you show up for the tentpole films, which are your sessions. Mm-hmm. I think Marvel was thinking the same thing because in 2013, they expanded to TV with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is a street-level series that featured a lot of the events in the background of the movies. Or, like, you know, it would sort of explain some of the things that were happening in the background, or it just took place, and the backdrop was the Big Temple movies. And it also, what, it starred uh, your mother. Ming-Na Wen? <laughs> no. Uh, Colby Smolder. What, didn't she end up... She was the mother from How I Met Your Mother. Oh, the mother. Yeah. She wasn't the mother. She, she, was. she became. She was the wife. I thought she was the mother. No, she wasn't actually. Oh, is this a spoiler? I don't know. No, she's not. The mother dies. Oh, lame. Oh, yeah. She's sorry, on, sorry on Shane. Anyway, okay, we cut all that. <laughs> uh, then in 2015, Netflix ban- began running uh, the Daredevil TV series uh, and other series featuring the Defenders in New York City. And from there, it just spun out all kinds of crazy series on multiple streaming sites. I think there was something on like Freeform, uh, Cloak and Dagger which are cool characters, but Freeform is basically the CW, right? Oh. So, you know, now now we have, like, teenage melodrama in Marvel 2. I mean, they have really cool posters in the subway. That's all I know. You're right. Uh, they've also got other stuff on broadcast channels, Disney+, Plus, and, you know, two dozen films after Iron Man, and it's still going with absolutely no end in sight. And then, of course, because this is Marvel, there's a ton of tie-in comics that kind of fill in gaps and add to the story and sort of keep the different characters fresh while we're waiting for their films every year and a half to two years. Right. Like, specifically MCU comics not tied in with, like, other Marvel continuity. So it's almost like, you know, an actual continuity instead of just a bunch of random stuff thrown in, like, discombobulated books, which is why I can't read comics. I can never follow any single character. 
Right. You're like, okay, I need to trade paperback, but is this the proper timeline or did this, does it get rebooted like five years later? I, uh, I don't know. Which version of the character are we talking about? Exactly. This is so, this is why I like the, the Darth Vader series and the Dr. Aphra series because I could just get them in trades. They're direct stories that relate one after another and they all make sense. Oh, so you like that they blew up Legends? Oh, yeah. No, I don't care about that at all. Dr. Aphra, <laughs> Dr. Aphra alone is worth blowing up Legends. Uh, okay, so yeah, this is like the this is the main draw to playing in the MCU as opposed to Marvel in general. So let's talk a little bit about um, the setting itself and um, some of the the themes that you can play with if you're actually playing in the MCU. So I think one of the most interesting things is that it's current day Earth, even though it has like a semi fictional history and crazy technology. Yeah, exactly. Right? There are people with superpowers, there are aliens, there are beings of cosmic power who are known public entities. Like, they're on the news. People know about them. Uh, and have been probably for around a decade in-universe, uh, ever since the invasion of New York City by the Chitari, who were led by Loki, who's an Asgardian, uh-huh. who's an alien, uh-huh. whose people once posed as the Norse gods back on medieval Earth. Oh, wait, is that true? I didn't understand that. I thought he was an actual god. Uh, they just call themselves gods, or people call them gods. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Loki's actually a frost giant. Uh, spoiler. Oh, okay. Yeah, but he was the Loki, like from the Vikings. That, right. that was yeah, that yeah. Loki. Got it. Okay. Although Thor gets some, like Thor and Odin get crazy god powers, right. but that's just being intense aliens. So then there is the evil Titan Thanos, who crosses the known universe to collect the gems of power, the Infinity Stones, which give him total control over reality. And with them, he wiped out half of all life in the universe. Should we put a spoiler alert? Hey, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, I said said that back in time. I haven't actually seen the last film, so. Oh, really? This is going to be a spoiler (laughs) for me regardless. Wait, wait. Did you not see Infinity War? Did you not see Endgame? I didn't see Endgame. That's fine. You you know this next part. Five years later, a team of time-traveling superheroes undid all those deaths and defeat him. Oh. I don't think that's a shocker. Well, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but yeah, okay cool (laughs) (laughs) guess i don't need to see that one you should see it okay but but everyone in the entire universe is still living with the trauma of having half of everybody die and be dead for five years so woven throughout this entire overarching narrative remember this is all told over the over 22 movies are the stories of people with great abilities somewhere in the universe, whether those are granted naturally or through technology or elite training or magic uh, abilities. And depending on their particular power set, they might fight street crime in the inner city, or they might defend an entire nation from terrorists, or they might defend the entire world from aliens or the entire universe from extra dimensional threats. Or they might just be trying to break out of an extra dimensional prison, right? Uh, Isn't that yes. All- isn't that all Guardians of the Galaxy ever do? Uh, that's how it starts out. That that's a good prison break, actually. Yeah, no, it's good. It's a good film. It's a. I mean, in terms of RPGs, that is a great prison break slash. You all meet in a prison, right? Scenario. It was really really nicely run by that GM. They kind of, well, they kind of met outside the prison briefly before winding up ending in. up in the prison. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you all become friends in a prison. <laughs> so. The, the theme here is that these characters are often dealing with their own problems and then call on others for help, or they receive the call to fight some greater threat, right? So they all kind of have to keep their own stuff together long enough in order to save the world or the universe or whatever. Yeah, an MCU game has the opportunity for a lot of flexibility. You can put your game wherever you want. You can swap characters in and out. You can... Uh, move locations or like move forward in the timeline because it's likely those characters are, are still there doing something different. So let's talk a bit about uh, some of the themes that are probably the most prominent or the most interesting to play with if you out if you are running an MCU game. I think first up, different from like what we might consider a traditional comic book world, which I guess is basically DC Comics and Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. Uh, Marvel and the MCU are set in a semi-gritty, fantastical reality. Like it's, it's all very grounded in reality, even though there's still all of this like crazy stuff happening. Uh, but it does lean into the realism, even though there are fantastic elements. 
right? Like the earth is present day and tech levels are pretty similar to present day, uh, except for, you know, all the crazy tech that the heroes use. Yeah, then you have aliens, but they kind of have a physiology that's similar to humans. Everybody speaks English. There's, you might not be from earth, but they aren't often culturally distinguished from humans. Right, like you'll have the Kree show up, but if you want to role play a Kree, uh, you're basically just a blue human and that's fine. And, you know, you might have like a minor outlook change and like you're focused on honor and like your society is pretty like martially focused, but like that's just Sparta, you know? Right. And it's like stuff, stuff just works from a technology standpoint. It's not like a focus, right? It's not like a sci-fi type setting where, you know, like the technology itself is some source of wonder. It's just like, cool, we need a spaceship to get from this place to this place. Of course we have a spaceship, whatever. Right. And like, you don't need to worry about like interfacing with particular technologies. Like you want to hack the spaceship. Oh, okay. You hack the spaceship. And how do you do that? Probably with a normal keyboard. Right. Yeah. There's like, and there's no exploration of these themes or like the impact of technology on society. Right. It's like, it's all just accepted. Right, like people still die of cancer even though apparently there are these serums that can like turn you into super soldiers or like put fire in your blood, you know? Yeah, or like, you know, we still drive around in regular model cars instead, even though we have these massive like vertically takeoff military, I don't know, super Queen jets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're, they're, <laughs> Helicopter they're, stealth jets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that are the size of barges. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tony Stark drives an Audi because of product placement, but also I guess he couldn't make anything fancier than an Audi. I, Sorry, that's yeah. an Audi R8. Oh, wait, wait that's, is that the electron, the uh, electronic one? The... No, that's just the, the supercar. Oh, eventually he drives, I think, an e-tron. Oh, lucky. Yeah, mm-hmm. they give him a, uh, an electric vehicle. I don't know why. I mean, half of the universe disappeared. Like, you don't need to worry about renewables anymore. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> It would have been nice if they could have left, you know, some carbon behind for the next generation. <laughs> Just that everyone dies and turns into lumps of carbon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, but even though, no, actually, because um, it is relatively grounded in reality, there are a lot of tasks um, that are just beyond some character's ability to handle. You know, this is why they form teams and alliances. Like, Thor is very powerful. But there are plenty of people out there who Thor can't beat on his own. Uh, and, you know, this goes doubly so for people like Hawkeye, who's a regular guy who's well-trained and has exploding arrows. Ugh. Or like, you know, Black Widow, who uses a, a gun, even though most of the people she fights are bulletproof. Oh, yeah. No, that's the theme here. They kill a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People die and, and many people die permanently. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people with their names on movies die permanently. Right. <laughs> Uh, Friends of Heroes die. I mean, that's super common in comic books, but like in the MCU, it it is dangerous to be a non-hero friend of a hero. Mm -hmm. Uh, Family members, like someone might just murder your family. Uh, If you're civilians anywhere near them, that's super dangerous. Like, you know, they'll name like, wow, like 10,000 people died and then they attack on New York and that was really terrible. If you're a politician, you're probably going to get assassinated. Yep. Um, And then the villains die too. That's also important, right? Is like, they don't escape or get thrown in prison or whatever, stick around to show up in a later film or a later episode. Uh, yeah. Except sometimes for like those, they just die. Except for those very few uh, superheroes who like specifically their thing is I don't kill like Spider-Man, right? Spider-Man doesn't kill. Right. Uh, so like, I think the vulture gets thrown in jail and could come back, but that's really about it. You're right. Almost everybody else like, you know, Killmonger. Yeah, right. or gets, you know, speared in the chest or gets a Mjolnir to the face. Yeah. So another theme here is that nobody is perfect, um, especially the heroes. So all of them have some flaw. Uh, many of them have many flaws. Yeah, like you can consider being willing to kill your enemies a flaw. Um, it's just something most of them are willing to do and and you know sometimes it's it's because of a, a pragmatism uh, and other times it's it's just because like they don't necessarily value every life in the way that like a dc hero might right uh right. but i will say that like the flaws in the mcu that people have are not usually the the types of flaws that like go with before a fall right like they're not they're not the thing that that are gonna trip you up and then like you fail because of your hubris right 
they're usually just like um, personality traits that are there to be overcome, whether it's, you know, sadness or addiction or, or, or you know, maybe hubris and feeling too full of yourself, like you can handle this on your own. Um, you don't fail because of it. it. It just becomes the challenge that you surmount in order to achieve. Yeah, it becomes Iron Man 3 and everyone is bored. Yeah, I, that movie made me very angry, actually. <laughs> I was so frustrated. I, I mean, actually, the, the better demonstration of this is Civil War, right? Like, the the whole film there is based around, like, Captain America and Iron Man have different flaws, which leads them to differences of opinions of how they should interact with the world at large and how they should respond to a threat, and they fight over it. Right, and that's initially spun out because of the huge number of civilian deaths during like their previous action together. Right. Um, yeah, like there, there's an opportunity here to have people clash who aren't, who neither of them is necessarily wrong or bad. There's just an actual, like, very realistic difference of opinion. Right. Because I think I think a pretty gray morality actually exists in the mcu like it's pretty clear in the movie hey there's a bad guy and they're trying to like destroy the universe and like that's obviously a very bad thing but then the people working against them are not always these saints which which is you know a lot more fun for role-playing i think sometimes in a comic book game it can get a a little dull after a while when people realize that not everybody wants to be playing the lawful good paladin for like the entire campaign so another hallmark of the MCU is the humor, right? Uh, whether it works or it doesn't, it's always there to kind of help uh, alleviate some of the like grittiness and the difficulties and the flaws on display of the characters, right? It's it's a way for you to always have something to relate to, even with these often alien or superhuman or like otherwise just like incredibly unrelatable characters. You've always got humor. This quippy like pointed banter, I think to me is one of the things that uh, makes the MCU actually really good as a campaign setting uh, in an RPG, because like that's pretty much what people are doing at the table anyway, right? Like you have these deep personal moments and like you're, you know, role-playing in the tavern and like getting to know each other and then always always someone at the table will like jump in with the joke uh, or the pun or something or like a callback to um you know something in normal pop culture or a previous campaign these are things that can actually happen like in game because you can make a reference to a tv show that all of you were just watching in real life because that show probably exists in the mcu like yeah people watched seinfeld yeah and there's like uh Sometimes there's sort of like not quite fourth wall breaking, but sort of meta commentary uh, included in that banter or like kind of as a source of humor. Um, like characters aren't quite staring at the camera and making comments directly to the audience the way that like Spider-Man does in his comics. Right. Or like Deadpool. Or, or, well, <laughs> Deadpool is a different. <laughs> Deadpool is a DVD box. It's a framing device. <laughs> But like the the point being like the characters in the MCU are not above saying, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. It's like something out of a comic book. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get as self-referential as you want and it'll still make sense and doesn't necessarily break immersion. Right. So now that we have, you know, almost two dozen movies under our belt and, you know, if you're listening to this, you know, a while after we've recorded it, then there are probably a bunch more. Um, it's obvious that everything that is happening in the universe is somehow interconnected. Even, you know, the, the TV series can have effects on events that happen in the future or come up in the movies or, or, you know, there's a trickle down effect where you have this huge overarching plot and all of the, the effects are shaking down all the way to street level. So when you're running a game or playing in a game, just remember that there is this entire timeline and this entire universe out there um that is i mean yes available for you to explore but also is influencing what's happening even if you're playing a street level game in hell's kitchen so like unlike a typical comic book world everyone is pretty much aware of what's happening in the news like thor shows up on the news iron man flies around and gives press conferences um 
if you are a group of like young superheroes who's like setting up shop in in like Los Angeles, you're going to know about them. It's it's possible that you can get in touch with them, but it's also possible that just, you know, you're aware of them. You see on the news something that's happening that allows your players to be like, oh, we're smack in the middle of like Avengers 2, I see, because like they're in Sokovia. Right. Uh, there's one United Nations that people are going to. There's one U.S. government. Um, it, it's not like a typical comic book where you're like, oh, which iteration of the U.S. government or like who's the president? Right. And it's a continuous timeline. So if you have or you reference people or plots that, you know, occurred in the 1940s, if like, you know, you know or meet a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who was working in uh, Germany during World War II, uh, like they still exist. Shield still exists. Um, the 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 tech they were working on, or the artifacts they discovered, probably still exist. Or they've even like evolved into something new in, in the present day. This is pretty common with Captain America because you've got this sort of time shifting of his story started in the 1940s and then like you know jumped ahead to the to the 2000s. Right. Um. And you have all this like time in between where things happen and he sort of discovers them. That that's an opportunity as well. Uh. In any of these games. Um being able to like bring in something from a previous campaign uh, set in the the universe or just being able to pull uh, something from like long ago in, in history, right? You can, you can bring up information from like, you know, 1100 AD and the, the Vikings and right. it existed in like maybe real history or not. Uh, and you can just, you can pull it right in. And then why is it all connected? It's connected because everything is leading to gathering infinity stones, right? That is ultimately what Thanos is doing. He will collect all of them by the end of it, and then he will use it in the final, uh, well, the penultimate film, right? Right. And then even moving into like future phases of the MCU, you can use the the whole Thanos arc uh, as a pretty good rubric for what is going to come in the future or even, you know, how to sort of plan out your game that's occurring after the events of Endgame. Uh, because, you know, you have these smaller movies where like an Infinity Stone showed up and nobody really knew what it was. Um, it's, you know, it's possible that like your game involves Galactus or something like that. And the Infinity Stones like just don't matter anymore because like their story is over. Uh, but you can seed all of these things uh, into your game. Just like we talked about in um, the three act structure episode where like act one is you introduce one stone or, you know, one planet that was eaten by Galactus. And, you know, uh, act two, you're starting to realize the the greater threat and act three, you finally confront it. So the MCU is also often about the triumph of regular people, right? So you've got characters like Peter Parker, like Iron Man, like Black Widow and Hawkeye, and, and even just like down to the street level of um, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Where they are able to accomplish things way beyond what, you know, ordinary simple people can do because they're heroes. Yeah, and and those heroes specifically are heroes less because of their capabilities like yeah spider-man has all these superpowers now but the thing that i think makes him interesting and the thing that makes him a a good hero and your actual friendly neighborhood spider-man is that he's just this good teenage kid yeah (laughs) right like like at his core that's that's who he is and who he wants to be and he would still be spider-man even if he lost all the powers uh i mean he wouldn't be spider-man himself but like he could he would do something right he would be he would have the same goals uh, Iron Man 2 um, I also think uh, I'll stay away from spoilers but like Black Widow's oh, really? real that's contrib- the thing that you're not going to spoil is Iron Man 2 <laughs> no no, no. I- Iron Man also the thing oh. I'm not going to spoil is Black Widow like her actual contribution to um, the in game universe isn't her like spy abilities or like her fighting skills it's her willingness to do the thing that a lot of other people are not necessarily willing to do. Oh, I thought it was her ability to play mother to uh, Hulk. Um, I think you're not wrong. She got she got short shrift by the writing, is what I'm saying. Uh you're you're definitely not wrong there. Uh, we get we get her in a prequel. I have no idea that's going to be good. Hey, exploring uh, Black Widow and and how she actually had depth and did interesting things might be good for a game. 
Mm-hmm. Even the characters who are by definition not ordinary. Thor, who's like a godlike alien, Doctor Strange, who's the most powerful like sorcerer and magic user in like the entire universe. Um Groot, who's a tree. Yeah, exactly. Like the thing that makes them interesting is their um their journey to like becoming more ordinary, like becoming decent normal people who like care about others right like dr strange is a a huge jerk uh oh, yeah and then like he learns humility and thor also actually huge jerk and he learns humility mm-hmm. and uh groot you know becomes friends with a raccoon and then this other like uh like ragtag group of of random people and like builds a family even though like you said he's a tree well <laughs> The raccoon is the huge jerk. <laughs> also true. <laughs> who, who learns to have a family. <laughs> Groot is always a good person. Groot is pure. Don't sully Groot. Groot's okay. Uh, teenage, teenage Groot. Big jerk. Teen, teenage Groot is, yeah. <laughs> okay, so how do you actually like play an MCU game? Well... Fortunately, a podcast that I'm kind of a fan of called Total Party Thrill oh. uh, addressed this a little bit in episode 112 when we addressed the superhero problem. Yeah, we got a whole episode on like playing superhero games. So, you know, I guess go listen to that. It's okay. It's, it's a decent episode. All right. Well, let's let's hit the highlights. Okay. So I think uh, with the MCU specifically, you can play through the plot of the movies. So you can like pick a point in the timeline anywhere in the movies and play a game that's set there. Whether that is your party playing the actual superheroes in the movie, like, hey, here's your character sheet. You are Iron Man and like I have built Captain America and you are Black Widow. Uh, Or you could replace the characters in the movie with characters of your own creation. Maybe like maybe you're just swapping them out, right? Maybe this is a a differently titled movie with the uh, Avengers who are your characters. Um, or it could be that, you know, you're sort of fighting alongside the Avengers or yeah, anything like that. There are, there are a lot of options. I think one problem here is though, though, is that it's tough to set up the same problem in the movie and have it be interesting because your players have probably seen the movie. So it ends up like like Mm -hmm. this solved problem where they already know how to beat the scenario. Right. So the other thing you could do is play adjacent to the plot. So the PCs are like involved in the Battle of New York, uh, but they're handling something else that allow the Avengers to, you know, assemble and face the uh, what were the aliens called? The Chitauri. Yeah, they're facing the Chitauri. Yeah, this is a bit like when the actual Avengers went back in time, right? The movie is this backdrop that's occurring, but the PCs are here for the actual mission. And you mm-hmm. get a lot of chances to drop in Easter eggs if you're the GM or, or even just like have throwbacks or references to other things that are happening because all of you are familiar with um, the movie that you're currently playing in. Yeah. So you could be, you know, if you are trying to be high level heroes, you can be you know, doing something that sets them up to be successful. You know, like you have to destroy the shield generator or else the attack on the Death Star won't work. Um, or you could be more of like the kind of street level um, heroes who are maybe other like lower level villain, villains are seizing on the opportunity that the Avengers are looking the other way um, and you are protecting people in that regard from just sort of minor villains who might seize the opportunity. I think the main uh, potential pitfall here is that a lot of movie climaxes happen in these out of the way or secret locations, you know, deep space or like it's it's just... Um, Tony and uh, Steve Rogers having their like showdown uh, mm-hmm. in like a bunker. So it, it can be hard to work this scenario into some of the movies. So then another thing you can do is to play in the MCU setting, but just ignore the stuff. Yeah. Like the, the movies happen over uh, multiple decades. So the game can take place anywhere in there and just, you know, have the movies as, as touchstones. Right. But like, what's happening on Asgard or like off in deep space after like Thor leaves Asgard, you know, stuff, stuff is still going on and we don't come back to it uh, except every once in a while for a movie or two. What were people doing on Sakaar before the Hulk showed up or like after the Hulk leaves? Uh, is that from Hulk two? That's from uh, Ragnarok Thor three, oh, which okay. they, they stole the Same. plot line from the, from planet Hulk 
which I was disappointed by because I wanted to see a Planet Hulk, Planet Hulk movie. But, you know, we got close. Okay. So I think this is the premise behind the TV shows, right? Is that there's a bunch of lower level people doing a lot of work in between the movies. Um, let's take a look at those people doing that work. Right. And then like, you know, in season four, episode nine of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like the events of Winter Soldier play out on the TV, you know? Right. Uh, there's a lot of space in the 1960s and 70s um, in the timeline or or even maybe like prehistory, like, uh, you know, in Norway in the, like the 1000s or like, I don't know, maybe thousands of years ago, somewhere off in space dealing with an infinity stone or like multiple infinity stones. Like, yeah, yeah. The power stone has been used probably for a very long time. Like someone put it in that place that Peter Quill found it. Yeah, it would be really interesting to see exactly... You know, what? what is the story of how that stone got to where it was when it shows up in the film? Yeah. You can play in the future. I mean, these movies keep coming out, so it's possible that that wrecks whatever new timeline you create. Uh, but I think this is probably a good way to bring in the X-Men. Uh, the MCU does not include the X-Men because they didn't have uh, the license. So you, I don't think the word mutant ever actually appears in the MCU. Nope. Um, and also, like, all of the, like, government programs around mutants don't really jive with the avengers either right um but you can begin to introduce those if you want to sort of extrapolate uh how all of that might play out with like sentinels and things like that after the events of uh infinity war so we've we've kind of alluded to this though Uh, let's talk about the different power tiers because i think that's an important question for where you play your game, how you set it, what sort of plot you go after, right? Like how powerful are the individual members of the party? Yeah, I think that's important to know when you are setting up your group. And so I think an MCU game uh, should definitely have a session zero so that you can talk about, you know, how do we make sure that we are all of similar power levels? I mean, the Avengers don't match up, right? But it's a lot tougher in an RPG group to have people who are significantly more powerful than others. Yeah, it sucks to be the Hawkeye when you've got a Thor in your group. Yeah, seriously. Like, hey, every three movies or so, I can do a super cool thing. Or like, I'm here for pathos, I guess. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or again, the Black Widow thing. My superpower is I can make this other character kind of work sometimes. Yeah. like Great. It, yeah, it work. It works in a movie where like Thor or and the Hulk are like, all right, we're gonna take on the the biggest guys, and then you know, Captain America and Hawkeye and Black Widow are off in the corner like punching people, but that's a lot harder to do at a table. So street level is the easiest to just run a street level game. Um, you can do Agents of Shield. Uh, they, even though they have different skill sets, they're all approximately the same power level. Like Quake has a pretty amazing, like essentially mutant power, but she can still get shot. You know, um, she still needs to be like a a, a trained agent. Uh, Daredevil and Jessica Jones are about on the same level. Um, and in these kinds of games, it's really easy to introduce like a new agent or a new hero who's patrolling Hell's Kitchen uh, or a group of you who's beginning to patrol whatever neighborhood on the entire planet that you want. Yeah, it's almost like the easiest way to do this is to take the whatever stats you have in your system and make sure everybody has a different specialized stat. And congratulations, you're a street team now. Yeah. You know, like... Daredevil, high dex, has a drawback. Jessica Jones, high strength, has a drawback. Like, cool. Just keep moving right, through. Luke What's Cage, high charisma look like? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so keep in mind that a typical campaign is going to begin to ramp up the threat. So I would say when you're picking your tier, uh, like don't start them by taking on Galactus or, or Thanos. Like... Even your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is going to get pulled into a wider conflict, even though all he really wants to do is like patrol Manhattan and Queens. And finish his homework. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's still got to study for that test. Right. What about the school dance? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think this is actually Spider-Man's a a good point that like he's not street tier. I mean, he's he often plays a street tier, but like he he can take on much tougher opponents, but he sort of pulls his punches a lot so he he almost always is getting pulled into uh like the bigger issues that he normally wasn't wasn't going to deal with but you can have you can put him adjacent to um other people who like have a smaller power set or like a or aren't quite as strong as him uh 
and it makes sense within the, within the fiction because like in the moment he's kind of pulling his punches and being neighborhood spider-man not you know fighting alien invasion spider-man right so then if you do want to take it into like more of the space areas of the mcu then it's um it could be pretty easy to balance power levels using alien abilities or just the crazy tech or you know some MacGuffin that you find in space because it's so poorly defined like there are definitely something exists that can fill that gap for you yeah you want to be like just as strong as any of the guardians like great you're a tree person right exactly done (laughs) or like give black widow rockets tech right and like his whatever crazy like firepower and she yeah she can take on the hulk no problem yeah exactly like yeah that's that's funny actually because like rocket raccoons superpower is that he's an uplifted raccoon right like ostensibly that's what makes him special what actually makes him special or at least what makes him punch is his crazy tech anybody could have crazy tech it just so happens that this dumb raccoon has it right and by dumb i mean murderous right like his stats are not particularly impressive right well maybe high ballistic skill (laughs) all right so what systems would you play uh an mcu game in I guess not you so, specifically. What's, what systems could you play in MCU yeah. game in? So Mutants and Masterminds is sort of the flagship game uh, for superheroes as far as like currently active being supported lines are concerned. It comes with its own setting and, and its own like supplementary material around that, but it is very easy to just track that, uh, map it one for one to the MCU. Yeah, you can build almost any kind of character or power set that you want in there, even if you don't have superpowers. Uh, I think we talked before, we don't love the system. It's a, it's kind of a D20 system. Yeah, it, it's very fiddly. Uh, character creation is like an SAT math problem. On the other side of that, uh, there's Masks, which we've played multiple times before. Um it is a PBTA game that focuses on young teenage superheroes. This would work obviously really well for like Cloak and Dagger, Runaways, um, or even like, you know, uh, early Spider-Man. Um, this focuses a lot more on the relationships of a team specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want a more investigative oriented um, superhero game, you might take a look at Mutant City Blues, which is based on Gumshoe. Um so Gumshoe, being the system that it is, has sort of split its modes of play into investigation and um, action toward like dealing with the investigation. Um, and so it'll do a great job of giving you mechanics for both. Yeah. And one thing I like about using Gumshoe for a superhero game is that uh, it's really easy to model sort of the like amazing things that you're supposed to be able to do. Like the tech just works or, you know, you knock a guy out or you like leap you parkour over the rooftops you know you don't need to roll for any of those things you just do them because you're good at them yeah or you spend a point or something in it to make sure that it works right to do something truly amazing yeah exactly so it's it's really good for that uh similarly there's city of mist which is a noir focused superhero game Uh, it came out in 2016 i believe it's kind of like a mix of pbta uh, powered by the apocalypse is an apocalypse apocalypse world based game uh, and fate uh, i think they call their aspects mythos uh, where you basically like pick a keyword that um sort of determines where your powers came from or your abilities and and like how you can use them uh, there's a setting involved in it but you can strip that out pretty easily and then if you want to go digging through the archives or perhaps the used games bin um, you can look at Champions, Heroes Unlimited, uh, Marvel Face Rip. Yeah, those are games that a lot of people understand. Uh, those are games. Yeah, they're really, <laughs> they really crunchy. They, they have very <laughs> devoted adherents. Right. Almost all of them began playing when they were teenagers in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, they had alternatives like GURPS and D&D or AD&D and like, hmm, what, what else, like... Role master, <laughs> like it fits right in the vein of those old games. Right, so that's an option. And, and a lot of these like really old games are like pretty easy to find, just like for free or super cheap, like yeah. online. All right, so Shane, we ask you this every time: uh, Would you play a game set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I guess I probably would. Um, well, I take it back. So yes, I would. Um, 
I think I would actually prefer to play in the MCU than play in somebody else's um, comic book setting, mm-hmm. right? Like if it was a choice of like, maybe if we did something completely homebrew that like we all collaborated on, I would, I guess I would probably prefer that. Um, but otherwise, like if it comes to reading the setting of mutants and masterminds <laughs> or just playing in the MCU, I'm going to skip the reading because I've already watched half the movies. I'm good. How about you? Yeah, I, I definitely would. And I, I think probably a few years ago, I would have surprised myself by saying that. Um, I have always preferred DC Comics to Marvel. Uh, but the fact that this is like one narrative and timeline and doesn't have all the like crazy reboots of the actual comics probably makes it much more likely for me. And I like that there are these um, negative spaces that the movies haven't explored yet and actually probably won't explore that you could really get into. Like, what are Wakandans doing now that like they're not um, hidden from the world, right? Like they're out in the rest of the world. I would really like to see that kind of stuff. Um, there's there's a lot of like on the ground earth level stuff. Uh, you have all these like sorcerers running around who apparently can like do magic, but I guess just meditate mostly. I think a, a group of like magic using adventurers or magic using Wakandans, I think would be actually be really, really amazing. I, you said that I didn't really think about that, but I would freaking love to play a game of like Wakandan birthright. Oh my god! <laughs> like, just like where, yeah, where the, the five different... tribes maneuvering. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I would love to do that. And then you know, obviously, you have to keep coming together uh, for missions that are threatening Wakanda as a whole, right? But it's all about like positioning yourself and your tribe to take over as Black Panther next. Oh, I kind of, I, I really like that idea actually. Yeah, well, I guess I there do. is no more Black yeah, Panther, yeah. right? Oh, but. actually, we didn't. Well, quickly, we didn't even mention Band of Blades, right? Like, wrote swapping out your your different Avengers team, right? Like, where's that person now? Uh, up in space somewhere. So, okay, I'm playing a different character. Uh, yeah, Band of Blades, I think, would be a little difficult because it really needs you to be on the march. Like that is, like, it. it well, I don't know. Maybe it would work. It it would be difficult, but I think you could definitely adapt something like Band of Blades. Do you hear that, Ishan? Uh Yes, that is uh, me, I think, adapting Band of Blades to a Guardians of the Galaxy-style game. They're on the march in space, <clears throat> and they're uh, listening to uh, orders handed down from, you know, money. That's scum and villainy. <clears throat> you just described scum and villainy. Good, perfect. We'll play that, too. <laughs> also, you can play scum and villainy if you want to do a Guardians game. <laughs> All right. Yeah, if we're talking about how to adapt uh, Forged in the Dark games, then it can only mean one thing. It's time to move on to the Character Creation Forge. But before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Total Party Thrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. So this week, Total Party Thrill is brought to you by D&D Beyond, which is the official digital toolset for Dungeons & Dragons. So you can use D&D Beyond to build characters, track campaigns, run your adventures, share your books amongst your playgroup, and do so much more. You know, uh, you can build a lot of homebrew material. It might be interesting if, for example, you were uh, building some sort of 5th edition um, MCU crossover, Uh where if you needed to build an alien uh, race, you could do that, and then you could save it with the the proper name, and then you could share it either with the community or the other people in your uh, campaign group, and they could use it just because they're in the same campaign as you i mean you could also build the infinity stones as magic items and let people ruin their campaigns with those oh perfect uh just i just relabeled the deck of many things <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> you grabbed the power stone and draw drew four cards you're an idiot <laughs> 
So in addition to uh, the tools themselves, as well as the rules, you've got lots of awesome content available for free. Things like the basic rules or articles from writers like James J. Heck. And I I will point out, so he does a a bunch of series, right? Where he kind of walks through playing classes or walks through how to use a monster or offers up like a sample encounter to use. But sometimes he does kind of these one-off things around different books. And he's got an article up there right now about where you'll base your Acquisitions Inc., uh, campaign like what city and it's such a good like primer of the different cities in forgotten realms uh from the perspective of you're going to launch an adventuring guild here or like an adventuring company it better have you know like friendly corporate tax rates yeah at uh, office based in the forgotten realms right uh yeah there's also videos from uh people like todd kenrick uh, and the site is continually updated with new features. So I don't even know all the features it currently has right now. So if you want to check it out, go to www.dndbeyond.com. So this week in the Forge, we're building Spider-Man, your friendly okay. neighborhood Spider-Man. Cool. So um, uh, did we take the flaw, lost his parents and uncle? Uh, yeah, we got so many build points for that. It was awesome. Sweet. Uh, I'm going to put it into a matrix aunt. power. <laughs> uh, all right. So, you know, Spider-Man, um, he punches hard. He jumps really high, shoots webs. Uh, he quips. Uh, he's a smart dude. Uh, he also also always has to get pictures of himself for his angry boss. Pictures of Spider-Man. Yeah. He's a menace. Uh, what, uh, uh, what proficiency is photography? I mean, I think it's tool painter supplies. I no, I think it's photography. Like, oh, okay, yeah, because can just go with that. I mean, considering if you had a camera in that era, you'd need a lot of specialization in order to take good photos and develop them, right? Some crazy gnome probably came up with a with a camera. Yeah, exactly. It uses gunpowder. <laughs> Why not? All right. So, what's the build for Spider Man? It is Hexblade Tome Warlock Nine Way of the Open Hand Monk Nine Rogue Two. All right, uh, so walk me through Warlock, because okay. that says nothing. Well, like we did with Captain America, uh, there's some reflavoring here. Although, if you're the kind of person who's like, wait a minute, Spider-Man doesn't have a, a patron. Actually, it turns out in the comic books, uh, he is an avatar of the Web of Life and Destiny, which I think someone used to explain how all of his crazy powers work, because they don't make any sense with actual science. Oh, I thought his, uh, his patron was Tony Stark, because I've only seen the MCU. See, that uh, that is also correct. Uh, And Tony Stark is, I don't know, probably he's basically a Hexblade, right? He's a a living weapon. Yeah, sure. I'll I'll buy it. We'll go with it. Yeah. Um, So, you know, Hexblade will let you uh, attack with charisma if you uh, want to. Um, You can also attack attack with dex, though, as well, because you're going to be charisma dex here. Um, And those of you who are regular listeners to the show uh, may remember that when we built the human cannonball not too long ago, we commented about how it might work for Spider-Man. So here it is. The, the human cannonball chassis uh, is taking the otherworldly leap invocation, which gives you the at-will jump spell. doesn't require concentration. It triples your jump distance. Um, now, with a, a running, with a running start, you can jump your strength score in feet horizontally and your strength mod plus three feet vertically and half of that with a standing jump now you're not going to have a particularly high strength but that does mean that you're going to be able to bounce around uh pretty consistently um across uh most battlefields by uh using the uh by uh, just dropping the uh, jump spell on yourself uh and then uh, figuring out ways that you can either disengage or uh, dash to uh, have enough um, jump distance to basically clear uh, any of your enemies or, or jump over their heads. Uh, so you'll be able to use your action uh, to dash, and then you combine that movement together uh, with that 10 feet of movement to jump the rest of the distance. With your other invocations, you'll pick up uh, probably at will a mage armor, and then you will augment your Eldritch Blast with things like Agonizing Blast, Grasp of Hadar, and Lance of Lethargy. Because of your, because of course your Eldritch Blast is your uh, web shooter. Yep. Um, you notice that like Spider-Man is able to sort of like I don't know, shoot any kind of web he wants 
Yeah, right? so, sometimes it like breaks down in like 10 minutes. Sometimes it's like a bullet. Sometimes it helps him swing and it just disappears as soon as he lets go. Yeah, right. Sometimes it like blankets an entire area. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can kind of do that with your Eldritch Blast here. You are reflavoring it sort of like as the, the bullet when you're using Agonizing Blast. Uh, grasp of Hadar is when you shoot someone with a web and then like drag them closer to you, right? He like grabs the strand and, and pulls it closer. Uh, and then Lance of Lethargy, uh, that reduces the target's speed uh, by 10 feet. That's when, you know, you like web someone's feet and then they're just sort of stuck in it or, or like, you know, uh, you've wrapped it around their legs and, and it's harder for them to get away. Yep. Of course, but don't let that stop you. You've got other spells that might help uh, simulate your webs. So you've got Hold Monster, uh, Hold Person, Hypnotic Pattern. All of these will impact your target's ability to move or take actions freely, which is a lot like just wrapping them up in, in a cocoon of webs. Like, you know, he often does to bad guys. Yeah. Uh, from Tomelock, you'll get your choice of some cantrips. I think Guidance is a good one here because Peter Parker's a genius. So pretty much any of the skills that you're attempting, go ahead and, and drop a Guidance just because, you know, you were studying for that test. Um, even things like press the digitation, um, you can do all kinds of weird things with your webs or uh, like he's an inventor you know so he he sort of like puts little tech gadgets together he's created the spider tracers you know you can use something like precipitation or even like druidcraft or thaumaturgy to um mimic uh, almost any of those kinds of like small little gadgets um do we need to cover shock and grasp nah so then from rogue uh we'll get some help with our action economy problem um so You've got this issue where you can use your action to dash and then you're able to leap great distances, but you land and you can't really do anything. Uh, If you use cunning action to dash as a bonus action, then you still have your action available. You can, you know, punch somebody or you can use Eldritch Blast or cast any of your other spells. Like you can still do useful things on the other end of your landing. Yeah, and it's particularly useful in the first round of combat where you might be casting jump. And yeah. yeah, and then you can use the the bonus to dash or, dis- or disengage if you're already stuck in the middle of combat. From monk, you'll get fast movement, and you you can use a key point to double your jump distance or to dash or disengage. It sort of gives you cunning action plus uh, at will jump all in one, although it costs you key points to do it. So eventually, you can do it without spending key points. And then you'll also get your flurry of blows, your extra attack, and of course, stunning strike, uh, sort of the core of the monk skill set uh, for unarmed fighting. Very, also, very Peter Parker-ish. Yeah, he punched hard. Uh, you'll get often. slow fall, of course, because Spider-Man can just fall and land fine. Uh, evasion, because he's very dodgy and, you know, machine gun fire or, or fireballs, basically the same thing to him. Yeah, at least Spidey sense, right? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you can step of the wind um, at level nine. When you spend that key point, you'll also be able to run up the walls. Uh, for race, go ahead and take variant humans. So you can take the alert feat, which uh, prevents you from being surprised as long as you are conscious, which is definitely going to be your spider sense. And then keep in mind that Peter Parker uses gear, like he builds gear, right? Um, he can't naturally shoot those webs himself except you know if you're toby mcguire spider-man which is weird right um but he is dependent on on some gear so i think in that vein if you can get your hands on slippers of spider climbing those are going to be great because then you'll just always be able to walk up walls but also like just stand on ceilings whenever you want yep uh and a wand of web probably helpful it'll save your spell slots so in terms of leveling order we'll start rogue one then we'll take five levels of monk another level of rogue, uh, five levels of warlock, and then we'll finish out monk and warlock. All right, so before we wrap up, we want to take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Yeah, your support is what makes possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. All right, what do we have planned for next week's episode? We're talking about awarding treasure. And in the character creation forge? We are, of course, building the treasure hunter. Well, that's it for episode 204 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Total Party Thrill is also also brought to you this week by Elderwood Academy. 
Elderwood Academy are artisans who craft amazing gaming products, including dice towers, dice trays, dice boxes, deck boxes, dice, and more. All of the products are crafted to look like spellbooks, scroll cases, codices, and other awesome fantasy gear that we love. So it's been a while since we talked about it, but I still use every single week my scroll rolling tray. It rolls up into a nice little compact form. It's got like a little like faux leather bottom. It assembles quickly with magnets. Uh, it's easy to pass around the table if I need to share it with somebody. It holds enough dice. I can roll them. Keeps everything nice and organized. I have less. I have lost like one die in the past. I don't know year since I got it. Uh, or six months since I got it. And normally I'm like losing a set of dice every few months. What icon do you have on yours? Uh, I have the dragon. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I like that. Um, but there are plenty of options. A skull, a raven, a phoenix, a fish, a fireball, a spell circle, none. You can also choose the like engraving on the side, like the um, the wooden part of it, the rails. Mm-hmm. You can also change the look of that. But mine was a gift, so I didn't actually pick mine. But um, the people who got it for me, James and Rudy, um, they picked well. Yeah, I, there's one that looks like uh, mountains in the distance. I really like that one. Yeah, it's peaceful. Unlike all the terrible things I'm doing with my dice in the middle of it. <laughs> all, right, all right, so, okay, all right, so, all listeners can find the scroll rolling tray and many more products at elderwoodacademy.com/slash/don't-split. <laughs>